This morning our scripture reading will be taken from Romans chapter number 12 verses 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and perceptible and perfect will of God. Glad to see you all here. And I'm so glad you made the decision to attend this morning. When you decided that this is where you wanted to be, you made a sacrifice because you could have been somewhere else doing something else. But perhaps you knew that this is where you needed to be. To worship God as it is the first day of the week. And we know that if we give up something for ourselves, there's something better, something greater that we can receive from God. And as we think about what a sacrifice truly is, perhaps we see this in our everyday lives. If you've ever played a board game, you know that in the course of a game, you make a sacrifice. You might exchange one piece for another. You might play to get a positional advantage. And sometimes you think, well, I can make this move or I can make that move. And sometimes those moves get bigger as we get further in life. You know, I could be doing one activity or I could be doing another. Which would give me the greater benefit? What might I really want to do? What might I choose to give up? I can remember several years ago when I was playing Little League Baseball and it was getting the course of the summer when the season was coming to an end and they were about to pick the teams for who was going to be in the All-Star game. Well, I could remember that the All-Star game was going on about the same time that our family would travel to Florida. And also, there were those little things that you can be involved in that if you sell certain things and raise enough money for a certain cause, you could get a certain price. And all of those things happening at the same time had to make a choice. And you know, as Christians, there are choices that we have to make every day. There are things that God sets in front of us that are we going to choose to serve Him or to do something else? What are we willing to give up, knowing what we might receive? Well, here in Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul tells us exactly the kind of sacrifice we need to make. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. 
He says we must first of all present our bodies as living sacrifices. Are alive. It is good that we have a chance to serve God. And when you think about how sacrifices were once offered, if you go back in your minds to the Old Testament, you might picture an altar that was erected of several stones that would come together to form one certain object, where a certain animal would be killed would be placed upon. And then when we come to the New Testament, we find that just as the priest offered the sacrifice, so do we, but in a different way. In First Peter chapter 2, there and in verse 4, Peter said it this way, coming to him as to a living stone, Rejected indeed my men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices, acceptable unto God through Jesus Christ. We look first of all to Christ, how he gave himself completely unto God. Peter says that just as he did, so do we. We are spiritual stones. Together, we make up the place of God. We come together to offer ourselves in worship and in sacrifice unto him. And as he said that we are to offer a spiritual sacrifice acceptable unto God, well, we know exactly how to do just that. We are to be very spiritual and less and less as the physical. When you look to the book of Romans, you find that the Apostle Paul talked about a struggle that is constantly at war between the flesh and and in the Spirit. And in Romans, the sixth chapter, he tells us how we are to die to sin, to be buried with Christ, to be raised again to walk in a newness of life. And he said, especially in verse 11 of chapter 6, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead, indeed alive to God. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. We are alive unto God, yet we are indeed dead unto sin. When we are alive to God, we recognize the fact that we indeed belong to God. The Old Testament teaches us that it is He that has made us and not we ourselves. 
We don't belong to ourselves, but whether we live or whether we die, we are God's. And it makes perfect sense that everything we have, we must be willing to give back unto him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, there in verse 20, Paul said, You were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. To be alive to God, I give him my body, and I give him my spirit. After all, he has given me everything. There is nothing good, certainly, that does not come from God. And if I want to receive what it is that I get from God, there's a lot that I have to give up. I have to give up myself. I have to stop living for me and to live for God. Isn't that what the Apostle Paul did? When we first find him being Saul of Tarsus, he caused great havoc of the church. He persecuted Christians. But then when he found that that was not what the Lord wanted him to do, he was willing to turn his life around. And later, as he wrote to the Galatians, known then as the Apostle Paul, he said in chapter 2 and verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved himself for me. Paul was dead, but Christ was alive in him. He was allowing to show the love of Christ through himself. Everything he did, he wanted to be sure that that is what God would want him to do. And you know, sometimes we think we are alive when in fact we're really dead. Sometimes we have the idea that we're saying the right things and doing the right things, but sometimes we may not be. And there is one who knows whether we are or not. For example, in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, we read about the church in Sardis. And, of course, as John was receiving the words to give to those churches in Asia, here is what he was told. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have the name that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful, and strengthen the things which remain, that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I'll come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. He says, you think you're alive, but you are dead. And yet there's something that you can do to be alive again. He says to remember the things that you have received and heard, 
Egypt. Hold fast to them and repent. Perhaps that is something that may be done for us even today. But how else are we to offer ourselves as a sacrifice to God? Well, not only as living sacrifices, but holy sacrifices. Again, going back to the sacrifices that were made throughout the Old Testament, you find the word holy appears quite often. You find especially throughout the book of Leviticus how holy a sacrifice ought to be prepared. How a lamb had to be brought in his first year. It had to be a male. It had to have or spot. It had to be just the right kind. And as it was brought to the priest, you recall the priest had to prepare themselves properly. They had to be cleansed. And they had to offer the sacrifice in the right way. Well, just as we looked at earlier, in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, as Christians we are a holy priesthood. We have to do something to cleanse ourselves, to purify ourselves. And we can only do that through the precious blood of Christ. The one that offered himself without blemish and without spot. The one that knew no sin, yet became the sin sacrifice for us. And we know we are to be holy. Why? Because... The one that created us is holy. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and in verse 15, Peter says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. As God is holy, we offer ourselves holy in all our conduct. How are the things that we say? How are the things that we do? Indeed, are they holy before God? As Christians, the spiritual stones coming together, you know we make up the church. Those of us that have done what the Bible commands us to do, those of us that have been saved, we find in Acts chapter 2, the Lord adds the saved to the church. As Paul was speaking about the church to those in Ephesus, in Ephesians chapter 5, notice in verse 26, he says that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. And he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. A church that is holy and without blemish. One that has had sins removed by the precious blood of Christ. And therefore, we are to walk before Him with be holy just a few chapters earlier in the book of Ephesians, in chapter 1, beginning in verse 4, Paul said this, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, 
that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. His grace abounds toward us. And yet, we cannot be saved without the grace of God, as he went on to explain in chapter 2. But he also said that in verse 8 of Ephesians chapter 2, by grace you have been saved through faith. And faith is necessary in order to come to God. Why? Because the Hebrew writer said in chapter 11 verse 1, Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That is found in the sixth verse, as the first verse defines faith, as being the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And what good is faith alone? It's not, it's the book of James chapter 2 teaches us that faith without works is dead being alone. If I'm going to offer myself a holy sacrifice, I've got to do the holy things. I've got to speak the holy words. And a passage we looked at not very long ago reminds us of the words of Zacharias. In the Gospel of Luke, in the first chapter, in verse 74, he says that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. All the days of our life. We continually offer ourselves as a sacrifice. It's not just a one-day-a-week thing. It's not just when we feel we might, but it is all of the time. And why do we do so all of the time? Because we always want to be ready. After all, Jesus did say that he indeed was coming again. But no one knows the day nor the hour when that will take place. And therefore, we always want to be ready for when he comes, he will find us watching. In the book of Revelation, as John was writing in the last chapter, he begins to remind us in verse 7 of his words. He says, Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. What are some relevant words of the prophecy of this book as we get ready for the coming of Christ? We'll look at verse 11. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be be holy still. 
Whatever state you're in, that is where God is going to find you. Don't you want to be in the best state? Don't you want to be in the shape that God will be pleased with when He finds you? Because if God is pleased when He finds us, imagine the rewards that will come our way. But if God is not pleased, only imagine the consequences that we would have to suffer. Which brings us to our very last part. Our sacrifices must be acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. How do we know what is acceptable unto God? Well, first of all, can we know? I believe we certainly can. In fact, there are those that should have known from the very beginning. For example, when you go back to the book of Genesis, there in chapter 4, we find beginning in verse 1 that Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was the tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Prince, if you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, Sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. We should know the difference between what is right and what is wrong. We should know the difference between what God wants for us and what we might want for ourselves. And if we choose what we want for ourselves, it only leads to disaster. After all, we find just a few verses later what Cain did to Abel and the problems that this had caused. Or what about the case of Nadab and Abihu in Leviticus chapter 10? We're told there beginning in verse 1 that as the sons of Aaron each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy, and before all the people I must be glorified. So Aaron held his peace. Those who come near him must be regarded 
as holy, God says? Isn't that what happened with Moses? As God called him from the burning bush, Moses was told to take off his shoes for the place where he was standing was on holy ground. You see, there are those that listen to God. There are those that do not. One such example is that of Abraham. Remember in Genesis chapter 22, when God called him to offer his only son as a sacrifice upon the altar? That would have been a lot for him to give up, his only son. And yet God had made him a promise that in his seed all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And he would have as many descendants as stars in the sky or sands in the seashore. Took a lot of faith to do what God wanted. He perhaps might have to give a good bit up. But yet God gave him a promise and, and you know Abraham was willing to do that. He was even to the point to make that sacrifice when the angel of the Lord stopped him. Today, we too know what God expects of us. And we know because he has revealed it in his word. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and in verse 16, he said that all scripture is given by inspiration of God, that it is profitable for doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped, and do every good work. What does God want? How do I do what God wants me to do? All I have to do is read his word. All I have to do is follow his instructions exactly as they are written out. It's that simple. That's all we have to do. But yet, perhaps by outside influence, it might seem more difficult than it really is. But that's why in verse 2 of Romans chapter 12, Paul said, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know there is at least more than one way to prove something. You go check it out. You hear many times about in political debates as we've already perhaps seen one and will be witnessing many more between now and next election. You ever hear of fact checkers that go back and research the things that are said? What was the exact statistic? What was the exact quote? What did someone really say? And how did they say it? How do we know what is good and acceptable and perfect in the eyes of God when we go to his word? That's one way that we prove that, but also proving to God, proving to ourselves, and proving to others, we do it. He said it, and we must put it, into practice. Perhaps the best example of that is Jesus Christ. Jesus who was God in the flesh. He offered himself 
as a living sacrifice. He lived, he died, but yet he lived more. He is holy, one who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. And yet he always did the will of his heavenly Father. He knew what was pleasing unto him. And you know, we must follow his example. We must too, too must live for him. We must be holy. And we must do what is acceptable unto him. Because his will for us, it's good. It's acceptable. And it is perfect. You can prove that by offering yourself the right kind of sacrifice. Are our bodies living sacrifices holy and acceptable unto God? After all, the Bible says it is our reasonable service. This morning, the invitation is extended. If you need to become a child of God, or you need to make the sacrifice you know that is accepted unto God, you can start by doing that right here, right now, as together we stand and sing.